You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome to Theater Geeks Anonymous. At this time, we ask that you turn off all cell phones. Unless, of course, you're using them to listen to this podcast. In which case, please keep it on. And please refrain from any flash photography, as it is dangerous to the performers of this podcast. Please be advised that this production may contain strobe effects, loud or sudden noises, nudity, and But probably not. And now, sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Don't you see? It's so simple. Step one, we Google the biggest flops on Broadway. Step two, we find the crazy stories behind them. Step three, we see how they lose millions of dollars. Millions? Broadway isn't cheap. A lot of fancy people want to be producers. Step four, find out why the show won't go on. Step five, end this episode and head to Times Square. Times Square? That'll never work. Only Broadway successes are in Times Square. (laughs) Oh, ye of little faith. We love you, Conrad. Oh, yes, we do. We love you, Conrad. And we'll be true. When you're not near us, we're blue. Oh, Conrad, we love you. Welcome to Theater Geeks Anonymous. Hey, geeks. Hey, uh, this is Pamela. And this is Ebony. And you've stumbled upon, as I said, Theater Geeks Anonymous, (laughs) the show where we talk about Broadway flops. Scandals and new works. Who sues? Who fails? We tell their stories. I'm going to tell it today. No, you're going to tell I'm it today. I'm telling it today, girl. This is one of the ones my mother and I watched together every time it was on television. Well, the original one. Oh, the original. I was going to say this one had a movie? Not this one. <laughs> Not this one. Actually, does this one have a movie? I don't think it does. No, I mean, it might. Who knows? No, Grease 2 did. That's true. That's going to be on our schedule for, <laughs> for some season that in the, the future. Stage? Oh, no, it wasn't. I think it was just a movie. You're right. So it can't be. Sorry. So we're very biased. What are we talking about today? (laughs) We're talking about the sequel to Bye Bye Birdie. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) Oh, what is it called? It's called (laughs) Bring Back Birdie. (laughs) Okay. I actually knew that title. So when I was leading you with these questions, it sounded very untrue to me. (laughs) But I'm going to keep it anyway. That was good. So bring back Birdie. Tell me all about it. Bring back Birdie. Okay. I actually have no real inkling at all about what this show is about. Okay. The synopsis of Bring Back Birdie is that um, 
Albert and Rose are now married. Mm-hmm. It's 20 years after the first Bye Bye Birdie has ended. So the first Bye Bye Birdie was set in the 60s. Right. And so uh, this show was in 1981. Okay. So it's present day. Okay. Uh, so they are living in Forest Hills, Queens. Oh, it's right next door. It is. <laughs> and they have two. They have two children, two teenage children. Uh, throughout the course of the show, one joins a cult, and the other one <laughs> joins a punk rock band. <laughs> is that important to the to the rest of the story, or is no. that just kind of like a sideline? No. It's so, so Charles was like, "Hey, you know, it'd be really great." <laughs> well, I know. I don't understand. I don't understand. I don't get it. Uh, So, Albert is an English teacher. (gasps) An English teacher. (laughs) An English teacher. If only you'd been... That was from the first one. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I will have to actually... It's true. She got exactly what she wanted. Every time I hear that song, I think of the Vanessa Williams version. I don't know this. This was a revival that was done. I mean, gosh, who was uh, Jason Alexander played Albert. Uh, Vanessa Williams was Rose. Oh, I saw that. Time Daily. Oh, this wasn't good. It was not very good, but I loved the cast recording. Okay. Of the TV movie? Uh-huh. Really? Yeah. I know. I'm weird. It's the only cast recording of a TV over the Broadway version that I'm like, I kind of like this. Now, I will say... I don't know. I mean, it's, I think what I liked about it is that the ensemble numbers, especially the telephone hour, are just so much funnier to me. The telephone hour. It's so good. I love the telephone Hi, hour. Hi, Nancy. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I so, I grew up on the, I grew up on the movie with Anne Margaret. Oh, yeah, totally. And one of my favorite things right now, the podcast uh, Behind the Curtain. Rob Schneider does the best impression of Paul Lind. It's so <laughs> wonderful because I loved Paul Lind in that yeah. movie. My, like, I was a kid, so, I mean, I thought he was, like, weird. Like, he was an odd, like, <laughs> choice for to be somebody's dad. And, like, yeah. why would Kim's mom... I don't know. He was strange. <laughs> And so when Why I was, would Mrs. McAfee marry him in yeah. the first place? And so when when Rob's like talking about it and he's like that movie had a lot of problems, including like Paul Lind looking like he's married to a woman with two <laughs> children, and I was like, Amen. <laughs> but I whatever, I love Paul Lind. Totally. So I love it. and I, I love um oh what's the song? Uh Ed Sullivan. <laughs> oh, my. Me and my mom, like, we would just randomly be in the house. Ed, <laughs> Ed Sullivan. Okay, and here's another full disclosure. Whenever I would listen to the CD of this, I would try to do all of the musical oh, parts. It. And it was like, I mean, hello. It was not going to happen. Because I do not have multiple uvulas like that whale in that cartoon that I watched as a kid that sang the three tenors because he had three uvulas. I know that one. I can't remember the name of it either. No idea. I've never seen oh, it. It's so good. They found a whale in the sea and he had three uvulas, so he was able to sing three different parts. So he would go around singing the three tenors. That word sounds dirty. Uvula? Yeah. And I keep saying it. I think I've said it like five <laughs> times now. Uvula. <laughs> the uvula is the hangy ball in the back of your throat. <laughs> Which does not 
it does not make your make voice it cleaner. It well, and it doesn't. It's not what makes your voice. It's like the vocal cords are what makes right. the sound. But for some reason, it made sense to me as a kid. I'll have to post it if I find it. I'll post it, it on. Yeah, I've never it was seen like it. Um, I think the title. It was several different cartoons in one vi- uh, video, okay. and I think it was called "Make Me Music," oh. something like that. I'll find out. Okay, but I digress. I level. Like I could that. not sing all the parts to Ed Sullivan, but I tried my hardest. I, I see, and now <laughs> we've gone on to Bye Bye Birdie because it's the better show. <laughs> it is a better show. It's a better show, guys. Okay, tell me all the right. rest of what Bring Back Birdie's so about. NBC offers Albert twenty thousand dollars to find Conrad Birdie, who seems to have disappeared after twenty years. Why do they care? Uh, <laughs> I mean, is it for know. is they it for a purpose? They want him to come to the Grammy Awards to like perform again <laughs> okay. because he basically disappeared after because the whole thing with in Bye Bye Birdie was he was leaving to go to the war, right? Right. So the Grammy Awards want to bring him back. Wait, so after the war, he just disappeared? Right, he disappeared, but they end up finding him. He's in this town in Arizona as their mayor. <laughs> oh. So he is now the mayor of Bent River Junction, Arizona. Okay. <laughs> um, he's out of shape, and they want him to perform at the Grammy Awards. So that's why Albert has to find him. Does Albert also have to get him in shape? Do they have like an eye of the tiger moment? Uh, so that I don't know. That's not in any of the. That synopsis. would be so good, wouldn't it? But I mean, to be running up a staircase. So the person they hired though was an Elvis <laughs> impersonator, and I'm guessing he was probably like the older Elvis. Impersonator. Oh yeah, totally. So to try to have him lose oh, weight in two and a, two and a half How hours. Fun! That is actually. I mean, as bad as this sounds, that they hired an Elvis impersonator to play the older version of <laughs> Conrad Birdie is actually kind of and br- yeah, it's that's brilliant. Probably the. That might be the smartest. Are probably the smartest parts. I mean, and I just feel like, well, there's another person here who just sounds like he wasn't used to his best ability. But once I get to the cast, we'll talk about him. Okay. Albert coaxes him out of retirement, but after he's booed off the stage playing a warm-up gig as the opening act for a punk rock band, Conrad refuses to appear Is it appear Albert's the child's punk I rock wonder, band? I wonder. <laughs> uh, he's booed. Sad. obligated to get Birdie on the show, Albert announces to the world that Conrad is dead. <gasps> so, oh, the other part of Mama May is that she also reveals at some point during this musical that... She too is Spanish, <laughs> which I—that's the whole reason she hated Rose in the right. first place. And so now all of a sudden she's—it's just so oh. now she's like a sympathetic character. I guess yeah. She. I will say that I didn't like May at all in the first one, just because she was so divisive. I love her in the movie, the Paul Lind, Dick Van Dyke movie. Yeah. Those okay. squeaky shoes. And I, what's wrong with these kids today? Yeah. That actress, that woman, I really like yeah, her. Yeah, she's good. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I, I, I like her and I like the character. What I don't like is the whole idea of the mother-in-law being such a... Terrible human being. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree with that. But it's like monster-in-law. Yeah. And unfortunately, some people... Some people are. Some people are. My mother... <laughs> I'm I'm actually mad because my, I was like, I better get a good mother-in-law because my mother would have been a baller mother-in-law. 
Completely. Like, she was amazing, mm-hmm. and she loved everyone, and she was, like, everyone's mom. Yeah. So, so she would have been excellent. So I'm like, mine's dead, so my poor husband does not get the privilege of having such a majestic mother-in-law, <laughs> but I better have one. I love that you keep using the word majestic. I just love that word. I do too. My my niece Cameron uses that word too, Does but she? she uses it for like her dog Echo. Echo's so majestic. You know, that kind of That's stuff. Cute. And it's really cute. That's it makes cute. me laugh. So every time you say it, it makes me think of my niece Cameron. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, yeah. Being an orphan sucks. Yeah. Okay. Well, then I won't, I won't wish for it. Don't wish for it. It's, it sucks. But listen up future mother-in-laws at any point you give me issue i will cut you out of my life (laughs) i won't do that i know you can't but see here's the thing (laughs) i'm not a spring chicken anymore so if i am going to allow a man to enter my life and make me not any not single anymore Mm -hmm. not just you know able to make my own decisions whenever i want right you know for whatever reason then he better bring something other else yeah. to the table other than a monster-in-law. Yeah. <laughs> this might come back to, like, really haunt me later on in life. And I really hope that that's not the case. <laughs> but we're getting real. We're getting real on Theater really Geeks real. Anonymous. We're delving into some real feelings and some real issues here. <laughs> so tell me more about Bring Back Bernie. <laughs> Segway, segway, segway. <laughs> so the creative team was Charles Strauss, who did the music. Like oh, he did I love him. Yeah, gra- Grandpa, I think we should just call him Grandpa Charlie. <laughs> Perfect. every time I talk about him, I am like, can I please adopt him to be my grandpa? Completely. My grandpa was dead before I was born. Yeah. So. I, and I never Charlie. really knew my grandpa, so I'll take him as a Grandpa Charlie as well. Yeah, we'll Charles Tom. Strauss, for people who don't know, uh, helped with Martin Sharnan write Annie. Mm-hmm. And also Annie to Ms. Hannigan's Revenge, oh. which is one of our episodes that yes. you may have already heard. Who knows? <laughs> Depends on how you're binge listening. Right. I like to listen. Here's what, I'm sorry. Here's another sidebar. I listen. I love binging. I think we all do. I think we've turned into a society where we no longer will, we, we no longer have the tolerance for commercial breaks. We just want to be able to, or, or waiting a week between episodes. Right. We just want to watch our show and watch it until it's over. And so I will binge Netflix. I will binge on Hulu. I will, you know, and I'll just watch the same show. But with my podcasts, I have to listen from the very beginning until the very end. And so I will bring up an episode that I'm listening to and Ebony's like, wait, what's that? And I was like, well, it's like toward the beginning, Ebony, surely you've listened to this. And she goes, oh, I don't listen to them in order. And I was like, no, I can't. I can't. It's, it, it gave me hives just thinking about listening to a podcast out of order. <laughs> the, the only one, the only ones I've listened to in order were My Favorite Murder. Okay. I did that one in order. That's a good one. Crime Town, I have done in order. Okay. Uh, S-Town has to be in order yeah like literally there you if you do it out of order you won't know yeah happening. s-town and cereal yeah. are both of those that and have to be in prime order. town's actually like that as well Is it? like it has to be in mm-hmm. order otherwise you won't know what's going on um my favorite murder doesn't have to be but i just i just wanted to listen to every episode <laughs> so i've sure. done that behind the curtain i've jumped around i can't <laughs> i'm all, i'm actually almost done though 
Oh, wait, it makes me cringe. <laughs> it just, I've got, my shoulders are as high up uh, next to my ears as they possibly can be when she says that. It's just like, oh. And, and the read, I've done that too. And with those two, part of it is that when the gentleman or in behind the curtain, like they talk about other things that are happening in terms of their lives, it's like happened a year ago yeah. or something. So it just feels like weird to me. <laughs> so it's like the last ones, the most recent ones I'll yeah. listen to in order, but like all the other ones, it just, it doesn't matter. Cause I don't, my brain will be like, is that happening right now? No, no, no. That's not happening right now. That's not happening. <laughs> I mean, I, I get it. <laughs> But I could never do it. I just, I don't know. It needs to be in order. It needs to have order. And I, I jump around on the read, too. I love, I the, love read. the read. But again, I'm listening in order. But it's, yeah. it'll say stuff like, uh, Blue Ivy was just born. And I was yeah. like, oh, that was like five years ago. Yeah. <laughs> but I do love the read. The read's so funny. That's fun. And that will finish our podcast corner. <laughs> podcast corner. So where were we as far uh, as... Creative team. So oh, we, yeah. uh, Grandpa Charlie, mm-hmm. Lee Adams did the lyrics, Michael Stewart did the book. Were they the same ones from uh, Bye Bye Birdie? Yes. Oh, nice. Um, Michael Stewart? Yes, he was too. And then Jill Larson directed. Okay. The cast was Cheetah Rivera as Rose, so she came oh, back. She was, she played it uh, in Bye Bye Birdie. Yep. Um, and then you had Donald O'Connor <gasps> as Albert. Ebony. I know. My future husband. I know. <laughs> I love him. I know. Uh oh, you're know sad. Why are you sad? It's not it's not a happy story. Oh. I'm sorry. Okay. I apologize. I'll, in I'll gird my loins. <laughs> I'll gird my loins to get ready for the story. <laughs> oh gosh. Okay, and then you had uh so earlier I was talking about the Elvis impersonator. His name was Marcel Forestieri. Okay. I'm sorry if I am butchering your name. That I sounds like it would be, right? Uh, Not too so far off. Playing Conrad, and then Maurice Hines was a detective. He was a singing, dancing detective, and he was helping Albert find Conrad. Okay. And then Mae Peterson, as I stated, she was found to be. Roaming Spanish. the streets of Arizona. <laughs> just, oh, just, no, no she I, had no I reason to be there. Maybe she was following him, like following like, Albert. Like a creepy, oh, I don't like know. a creepy, weird mother, mother. Oh, like Mrs. Bates. Ugh. <laughs> Gross. Uh, and she was played by Maria Carnalova. Okay. So as we've talked about often on this podcast, one of the things that always, always leads, well, Maybe I don't say always because it's not like we've researched every show that ever happened on Broadway. But someday, as a rule, yeah, when a show does not have tryouts, Ugh. it's usually not a good start. It's such a huge mistake not to have tryouts. Yeah. The look, I know I've mentioned this before in previous episodes that may not have run yet. I don't know uh, because these are all out of order as well, which is just cringeworthy. Um, <laughs> But 
when you don't have a tryout, it just really sets the show up for failure. Mm-hmm. What a tryout does, and for people that don't understand what a tryout is, it's basically doing the show out of town. So you take it to Philadelphia or you take it to Boston or you take it to Denver and you do the show for an extended amount of time, six to eight weeks in front of a different audience. And you, and sometimes you even move from one city to another uh, just to get an idea of where your strengths and your weaknesses are within the show so that you're able to get rid of the weaknesses and really play on the strengths. And so you've got the best show possible. And during tryouts is usually when they make all of the changes to the scripts. Sometimes they'll get rid of characters and they'll fire actors. Sometimes they'll change out actors that aren't working in particular roles and bring in new people. Uh, But that's when you can make all of the mistakes that you want because you don't have a Broadway show that has a critic that's going to say yay or nay to it. And so like the pressure is off a little bit. But when you don't have a tryout, sets it up for failure because you you don't have it's just like you're saying you don't have that audience and right. it just gives you more time yeah because you know just just as a rule when you're trying to write something or do anything and mm-hmm. you're rushing yes it never comes out as good as it can never well and you know what too there's there's something to be said because a lot of these people will will write these shows for a decade you know, they'll, they'll, this will be a labor of love for them. They've been working on this project for so, so long that you become blind to it or that you're so in it that you can't see it for what it is. Right. And that is when you need a completely objective source to tell you this is great or this is terrible. This isn't working or this is amazing. Uh, so that you can make those changes that are necessary. Right. The audience is just, they're there to see a good show. Yeah. So they want you to succeed. They do. They're they are in your corner. Yes. You know, but as you know, soon as just you Just don't let them down. Don't. <laughs> don't. I, oh gosh. Okay. So another podcast. Yeah. This American Life. They had this episode called Fiasco and it's one of my favorite episodes of This American Life. Like, it's in the top three. And they open with the story by Jack Hitt about his town doing Peter Pan. <laughs> and it goes so wrong. It, it's as good as the movie, if not better. It's as good, if not better, than the movie <laughs> um, Waiting for Guffman. Oh, I love that movie. Me too. It goes so wrong. And so... But the thing that he says at the very beginning, which is just what we talked about, is think, you know, he talks about how things systematically continue to go wrong and the show just gets worse and worse and worse <laughs> until literally like a kid ends up in the hospital. But is that the one where he like flies out of the bed because they used the wrong wire and he like flies out of the bed and out the window? He wasn't I've out seen the a window. video. Oh, yeah, okay. he wasn't out the window. Maybe it's a different video. There's a lot of videos about, about Peter Pan gone wrong. <laughs> well, not even Peter Pan. It was like one of the. It was like Michael or Peter. No, right. I'm saying. Oh, the, uh, the yeah, yeah. Oh, yes. Completely. Wrong. Yeah, there's a lot of really good. When you have people on wires, and you have people who don't know how to run them, running them, <laughs> you can kill someone. It's true. It's no good. But Jack Hitt says, you know, the audience is on your side. Mm-hmm. And so he was there in the audience and he said, like, at the very beginning, things are going wrong. And still the audience wants you to succeed. Yes. And they're in your corner. And then he said. Sometimes even more when point. things are going wrong. Right. But then he said there was a point you could see that they broke and the floodgates opened. 
and they all chaos broke loose <laughs> and they completely lost the audience oh no i think it was when hook's hook flew off <laughs> which <laughs> so bad but anyway you know saying all that to just say that when when you are doing a tryout an audience is on your side and then when they leave your side that's when you know you've messed up yeah and you need to come back so mark it down and yeah. work on it later yeah with the lucky land slots you can get lucky just about anywhere this is your captain speaking uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky no no nothing like that it's just these cash prizes add up quick so i suggest you sit back keep your tray table upright and start getting lucky Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You have to give yourself that opportunity. So uh, so the show began previews on January 26, 1981 at the Martin Beck Theater. Um, and so there were multiple delays on opening. Okay. So... Because they were trying to fix so many things. Um, Which should have been fixed during tryouts. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Char- Grandpa Charlie. Charlie. You're the most precious, but <laughs> got to do more tryouts, honey. So here's the Donald O'Connor story. Oh. I'm sorry. Wait, let me gird my loins. Okay. Okay. You ready? Yes. Okay. Donald O'Connor was said to be very difficult and hate doing the show even though he was making his Broadway debut in the show. Okay. In one of the previews, he forgot the words to the song Middle-Aged Blues. Okay. Which could be a really funny moment. It could be. It could have been. He could have made if it a really comedic. Put some improv in there. And like, <laughs> I guess I am middle-aged. <laughs> right. It could have been hilarious. Oh. But, but instead. What did he do? He asked the band to help him. Okay. And then, eventually, because he just could never get back on track with the song, he eventually yelled, You sing it! I hated that song anyway! Oh, Donald! In front of the preview audience. So this Ugh. was in previews. During a performance. Yeah. Oh, my heavens. What? I mean, that just... Uh, not my Donald. <laughs> I know. He's so amazing. You know what, though? Movies and TV... Are just so different from musical theater, from theater of any right. kind, because theater you're starting from the beginning and going to the end. Right. And with TV and film, you can cut and paste as many times as you want. So I guess that's the difference. But oh, that's sad. Do you know what? I know a story. There's another show that will probably it's on our list because it was not well received at mm-hmm. all. But it's a show called Two by Two, mm-hmm. and it starred Danny Kay, who. <laughs> Is my other would-be husband. I love Gene Kelly too, but yeah, I like the funny guys. <laughs> <laughs> I like the funny ones. But so Danny Kay was doing two by two, which is the telling of Noah's arc essentially. Oh, so he's playing yes. Noah, and he was very difficult as well. And at one point, I think the story goes that at the very end of the show, there is. Uh, uh, one of the sons, Japheth, and Noah are supposed to have a um, reconciliation. Like they had been in a fight, but now they're coming together. And the very end of the show is very touching because Noah says he forgives 
uh, Japheth, and then they end the show, and it's all very sweet. But he, Danny Kay, for whatever reason, didn't like this kid playing Japheth. So at the end of the show, instead of forgiving him, he just leaves off the line that he forgives him and leaves the stage. Isn't that awful? A, the show's not about you, Danny. It's not about you. Right. Oh, no. It makes me so sad when I hear stories like that because... We put these people on pedestals, regardless of whether that's a good thing or a bad thing. They are just people, and mm-hmm. they all make mistakes. But, like, they're, I, I'm, I have such talent crushes on people like Danny Kaye and Donald O'Connor. So when I hear stories like that, that yeah. they're really just not great. They have no, you know, no work ethic, and they don't, you know, they don't take the craft seriously. It's like, sad. makes me so sad. Yeah. It's, take a moment of silence I for know. that. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So, um, uh, so one of the things they did though, they brought back the song Rosie. Okay. Which was, uh, it's, I actually love that. I, it's not my favorite thing. I actually like it a lot in the movie. Okay. Um, yeah, it's, I think it's better in the movie than (laughs) I have the cast recording. Did I mention this earlier? You did, okay. but you don't. But you like the TV cast recording well, better than... Well, that's the one I have. Right. But there are certain songs that I was like, I hate yes. this song. And Rosie's one of those songs. But it may just be the recording I was listening to. I don't know. I don't know either. <laughs> I just... I grew up with the Paul Lind, Dick Van Dyke. <laughs> I um, love Dick Van Dyke. Me too. Oh, Holy crap. He's still with us. Maybe he, he can do something on Broadway. I mean, he's... He's very old. He is. But Did he's still so funny. Did you see that video of him singing with the children when yes. Mary Poppins? Yes. Oh, and there's another video of him doing, like, soft shoe with someone. It's the most precious. He, I love him. Grandpa Dick. I, Let's call him Grandpa Dick. Me, <laughs> sounds really weird. Let's not call him Grandpa Dick. No. Let's just call him Dick Van Dyke. <laughs> Let's call him Dick Van Dyke. But what's Dick short for? Richard. Usually. I don't know that in the, his case it's Richard. I wonder if it is, because then we could call him Grandpa Richard or Grandpa Rich. <laughs> but the dick is, he's been going by the name know, Dick for 40, so 50, 60 years. years. Maybe. <laughs> How old is he? He's like in his 80s, I he think. Is. Yeah. Well, because actually Mary Tyler Moore, who just passed, oh, was way younger than him. Yeah. Because she was like 19 when they did the Dick Van Dyke show. Yeah. She was so good. Yeah, she oh, was. Rob. She was so funny. She's so funny. And they could sing and dance together. In she, okay, where I love her, besides the Mary Tyler Moore show and the Dick Van Dyke show, is the movie of uh, Thoroughly Modern Millie. I was just going to say, <laughs> my favorite, so when good. I moved to New York, all I wanted, <laughs> all I wanted was, was to, to tap dance in an elevator. Yes. Yes. I wanted a building. Where I had to tap dance in the elevator for it to move. Wait, that I have to all tell I you a story. <laughs> because my very first visit to New York City, I was 20. I think I had just turned 20. And it was, like, going to be a whirlwind. Like, it, we were driving there 15 hours from Indiana. It was, like, on our day off from a show I was doing. Um, so my friend Chance and uh, I think his name was Zach. Oh, shoot. I think his name was Zach. I'm going to say it's Zach. Uh, but I remember Chance. 
Chance was the one. He lived in this building. He had this rickety old elevator, and it was the one where you had the grate in front, so you yeah. had to open and close it, and it had to be closed completely before you could push the button mm-hmm. and go to your floor. He closed the gate, and as soon as it was closed, I started tap dancing, and he goes, oh, don't do that. Don't do that. And I was like, what? What? And he goes, yeah, it'll break. And I was like, My dream's been dashed. <laughs> all I wanted. Oh, it's such a good movie. It's such never a good lived show. In the <laughs> Me neither. Always been walk ups. Because yeah. that's what's cheaper. <laughs> that's what you can afford. That is what you can afford. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh. Sidebar with Dick Van Dyke. And I know. How did we get there? Oh, because, because Dick Van Dyke was the original yeah. Albert. Yeah. Um, so it was connected. Yeah, it, it is. It always is. So uh, they brought back the song Rosie at the end of Act Two. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the critics said the producers of the show made a grave error in having Albert and Rosie at the end reprising some of the songs from Bye Bye Birdie. They were what the audience went out whistling, forgetting oh. everything else they'd just seen and heard. <laughs> mwah, mwah. That's really sad. Oh, that is sad. It's really sad. Because you know what I will say, because uh, Charles Strauss, man, Grandpa Charlie, he does Grandpa write Charlie. an amazing tune. He does. There was some uh, soul music, though, that was in there that they weren't, like, super, the, the critics didn't super love. Okay. Um, But they did like the, the score much better than, uh, than they did the story. Like okay. I just didn't feel like the story was very good. Well, the story sounds dumb. It it is. The and story sounds like I'm sorry. Like I just don't care. Unless exactly. it's like I think what would have made it better is like when he goes to war at the end of Bye Bye Birdie. Mm-hmm. Then he's a POW or a missing in action right. somewhere. And then twenty years later, there's word from whoever. Who were they fighting? That was World War Two that he left for, or what was what war was that? Do you no, remember? It was the 60s, so that was Vietnam. Vietnam. So they get this call from North Korea that says, yeah. "Hey, we've got we've got Birdie." You know what I mean? Like yeah. that would have been better, I think, than this. <laughs> I think that's partially Grandpa Charlie's optimism. Yeah, like he. He is he is a perpetual optimist, and so I, I mean I don't think well, he would you, go to the dark place. Well, you've got the rest of the creative team also. You've got yeah. the book and you know uh, the lyrics. The lyrics. Yeah. You know, it's, it's the same creative team from from Bye Bye Birdie. Right. So it's like it's not just Grandpa Charlie saying right. let's do this. It's like all three of them saying we can do this. It's going to be so great, and yeah. they just hype each other up to the point where they can't see what's good and bad anymore, right. which is why tryouts are so important. Hundred percent. So, the show opened at the Martin Beck on March 5th, 1981. Okay. And closed after four performances on March 7th, 1981. So, it had a total of four performances and 31 previews. (laughs) Reviews were so bad, it closed the show in four performances. (sighs) That's really sad. Did you get to read any of the reviews? Sometimes they don't have them really readily available. Yeah, well, the Frank Rich one. Oh, okay. You can read some of that. Yeah, please do. He is a trip. <laughs> I, I, when I was doing research for um, uh, Merrily We Roll Along, he's in the documentary 
which we just watched a couple weeks ago. It's so good. It's called The Best Worst Thing That Could Happen. It's, it's wonderful. It's really good. Um, but he's on there, and <clears throat> he he's, like, pretty sad about... Frank Riches. Yeah, he was he was sad about having to write the review that he did for for that show. Okay. So, I mean, he, well, that's something you don't hear every day from a critic. <laughs> I think I, I, when I was listening to um, Behind the Curtain, uh, they had a critic on there. I loved listening to him. Actually, I loved yeah. listening to him, and he said. Himself and Frank Rich, and there was another critic who they all came from this background where they loved theater Mm -hmm. and they listened to all the cast recordings and they just want so badly for it to be the absolute best. Yeah. So they 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 go in with just want to cut you down and break you down. Yeah. But there are some critics who actually have. This deep abiding theater geek love for the theater, <laughs> and they want it to be the best that it can possibly be. So when they give a criticism, it's because they're like, "You can do better." Yeah, we know you can do better. Yes, please try and do better because we want you to succeed and we want you to be really good. Yeah. So, um, I think Frank Frank uh, works in that mindset. Awesome. Um, this is a pretty long review, so I'll just read snippets. Okay. <laughs> Uh, It starts out, it's March 6th, 1981. Many musicals save their best numbers until the very end, but Bring Back Birdie at the Martin Beck is the first musical I've seen that saves its best number until after the very end. Oh. That's the rosy thing I was just telling you. Yeah. It isn't until this show is officially over, until the curtain calls are underway, that its stars finally glide out, about to glide about to a tune that the audience really wants to hear. Though the song Rosie isn't listed in the playbill, no introductions are necessary. This number was the loose-limbed, moonlit finale of Bye Bye Birdie, which played the Beck 21 years ago. And it's a song that still sends you out of the theater humming. They were at the same theater. Yeah. That's so cool. That is cool. It's cool and sad. Yeah. Um, and then he said... Uh, I'm just going to read later in in the review article. The score that interrupts this book has a death wish. For some reason, the Messers, Strauss and Adams, have taken many of the song ideas from the original Birdie and written updated versions that invite devastating comparisons. (laughs) The titles and tunes may have changed, but you'll find flat retreads of such old favorites as The Telephone Hour, which we were just gushing about. Ugh, love The Telephone Hour. Spanish Rose, which I will say Spanish Rose is... I like <laughs> watching it is is better than listening yeah, to it. Yeah, I think so too. But like Cheetah Rivera kills it. Kills it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and Kids. Yes. Which, kids is basically just a saying people use now. Kids, I don't know what's wrong with these kids today. <laughs> like, it's just literally it's turned true. into a saying. As before, there are also many paradistic pop, paradistic pop songs. Punk rock, country and western, rhythm and blues, gospel, and inexplicably, <laughs> Zigfield Follies pastiche. Huh. This time, they're all stale. Oh. Wah. That's sad. 
sad. Yeah, it is. But it's what so are you going to do? I mean, that's what this podcast is about. Yeah, it is. <laughs> Flops. It didn't it didn't do so great. No. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think Birdie sh- you should have left him be a mayor, guys. Yeah. It would have been okay. Just leave him in his Arizona. Let him be his elected official self. Yes. <laughs> he obviously didn't miss you. Yeah, he didn't. He didn't even want to come. He didn't. Oh, wait. So what happened at the end of the show? So that's when he Oh, <laughs> he said he died. <laughs> and then he wanted to come back. That's right. See, I already forgot. And that was like 20 minutes ago. That's a sign. <laughs> that's a real clear sign. It's a real indication that. Perhaps your show is not the best. It's not the best. Story's not so good. No. I don't even think it had the potential. No, this it's just the story wasn't there. The story was finished at the end of Bye Bye Birdie. Yeah. Yeah. You didn't need to know any more about them. I honestly feel the same way about Annie, too. It's like we didn't need to have a sequel. Yeah. Yeah. Like Charlie, Papa Gramps, come up just with a whole new <laughs> idea is all. Yeah. Like, don't just rest on your laurels. Yeah, just do something new. You've got some ideas in that yeah. brain. In fact, oh, wait. Now I don't know if it was him or Martin Charnin. I think it's him. I think it's Charles Strauss that was working on, when he was on Behind the Curtain, he was working on a new show. <gasps> like, oh. a whole new show. Well, and now I'm going like, to look well, it up. do it. Yeah. Do that, Charlie. I want to see what you can Grandpa do Charlie now. No, I'm not seeing anything. Okay. He was- oh, songwriting partners Charles Strauss, Lee Adams in legal dispute over rights. For what show? Okay, no. Breaking news, everybody. <laughs> because I just, I was looking to see if he was working on a new prod- a project, and I just came up with this article written, um, uh, I think it was 2016 is what I saw. Composer Charles Strauss and lyricist Lee Adams were a pair of unknowns in 1960 when their Tony-winning musical Bye Bye Birdie took Broadway by storm by spoofing the fairly new music craze called rock and roll. They followed up with All American, which included the now standard Once Upon a Time and more popular shows like Golden Boy, It's a Bird, It's a Plane, It's Superman, and another Best Musical Tony Award winner, Applause. I didn't realize he wrote Applause. How come I didn't know that? I- I keep saying I want applause to come back with mm-hmm. Audrey McDonald. Oh, right. So good. Yes. Yeah, that would be really amazing. Uh-huh. Uh, but the pair's last two collaborations, a Broadway musical and Bring Back Birdie, closed quickly, and Strauss found mega success composing the score of Annie with Martin Sharnan. The New York Post reports that the former songwriting partners are in a legal dispute over the rights to Adam's work in three of their musicals. So this is a civil dispute between, it sounds like, Strauss and Lee Adams. In Manhattan Civil Court Papers, Strauss says that in 1979, he accepted Adams' offer to buy the lyricist's rights to Applause and Golden Boy. Eight years later, Adams sold Strauss to his rights to Bye Bye Birdie. The Post reports that Adams has begun an arbitration process claiming those two agreements have expired. Okay, I don't quite understand that. Right. Uh, oh, and that's the end. So it doesn't give us any more information. Oh, click here for the full article. Okay. Shall I look into more? Because yeah. this is kind of interesting and it kind of goes with what we were just yeah, talking about. Sad. That is sad. Um, okay. 
It's a hard knock life for Annie composer Charles Strauss, is what it says, who's locked in a legal battle with his longtime collaborator over the rights to Broadway hits like Bye Bye Birdie and Applause. Um, Strauss, who is 88 now, or well, or in 2016, I think, when this was written, wrote, uh, he says in court papers that lyricist Lee Adams, who's 91, first approached him about selling his rights in 1979. Strauss paid Lee $52,000 in exchange for the copyright plus other royalties, according to the Manhattan civil suit. In 87, that's when he sold Bye Bye Birdie for $116,000 to Strauss. Uh, Now, Lee, using a lawyer who represented the duo in drafting the agreement, has started an arbitration hearing against the former collaborator, claiming that he has a renewed interest in the music because of their 1979 and oh, and because those agreements have expired. Um, Strauss says the attorney Alvin Deutsch should be barred from representing Lee because it's a conflict of interest. And I have to agree with that. Mm -hmm. Deutsch did not return messages. Lee declined to comment. And that is all that is written on that. That is nuts. 89 and 91. And you are spending your days in court. That's hard, man. Oh. Oh, great. We just ended on a downer. Well, it was already a downer because <laughs> the show flopped. Well, and I think, I wonder if it if it's because, you know, one is 91, the other one was 89. Mm-hmm. And now they're thinking about their estates. Yeah. And just trying to Quite make possibly. sure everything's settled so that Well, and you, have... you also kind of wonder what made Lee Adams sell those rights to begin with. Right. And it could just very well be that he needed money right. at the time, mm-hmm. which is also kind of sad to think mm-hmm. about. I don't know. It's hard. If you have any information for us, audience, please let us know. Yeah, go to tgabway at gmail.com. Gmail.com and let us know. Or you can, or you send if us you questions. follow us on Twitter. Oh, yeah. We're at tgabway. And, uh, and we're on Facebook, uh, yeah. Theater Geeks Anonymous. So check us out there. Like, share, and follow us if you would. Tell all of your friends. Um, rate, review, and subscribe us on iTunes. We're going to put out probably six episodes right up front so you'll have lots to binge to. Yeah. <laughs> Just listen to them in order or I'll come <laughs> after you. <laughs> But, uh, you know, so keep us, if you can, just keep us at the forefront so that we can keep this thing going. We want this to succeed very much. Uh, Is that it? I think that's it. I think that's all the things. And scene. Bye. (laughs) Bye, everybody. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.
Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.